Hello, everyone. Welcome to the brand new season of For the Love of Books podcast featuring Indian small press authors and their events with host Emma Pulova. I would like to thank our sponsors, author Barbara Britton, Doc Chavant, and The Lowell Ledger. Today, I will be chatting with Barbara, who will announce the details of her book giveaway of Lioness Mahla's journey at the end of the interview. Barbara writes Christian fiction from Bible times to present day. Her Tribes of Israel series brings little known Bible characters to light. Barbara has a nutrition degree from Baylor University, but loves to dip healthy strawberries in chocolate. Who doesn't? Hello, Barbara. How are you today? Hi, Emma. I'm doing wonderfully. Thank you for having me. Oh, excellent. We actually met in person at a pretty unique event, Once Upon a Book in Frankenmuth at the end of July. Barbara, what did you like the most about Once Upon a Book? I loved being with authors, but I loved Frankenmuth because it looked like a slice of Germany or Austria was picked up and planted in the middle of Michigan. Everyone was in drindle dress and lederhosen and there was polka music and glockenspiels, German food. It was amazing. And then just the whole Once Upon a Book had a more of a monster theme and fantasy theme, which was really unique. And the authors were great. The coordinator was wonderful. So it was a nice experience. And I got to be right next to you and meet you. So that was delightful. It was. I agree with you. All right. Now to your novel, Lioness, which was a finalist for ACFBW Carol Award for Best Christian Short Novel of 2019. If you could please give us the main plot line. I like to discover little known Bible characters and write about them because there's a lot of authors that write about the big guns like Esther and Ruth. But I like to write about characters people may not know are in the Bible. And when I stumbled across the Daughters of Zelophehad, I just couldn't believe that I hadn't heard this story before. And it was about five orphan sisters that went to Moses and they said they wanted to inherit their deceased father's land. And that was unheard of for girls to inherit land. And I give Moses credit because he did not shut them down. Moses went to God and God said, they're right. If a man dies and doesn't have a son, his daughters can inherit the land. And I was like, this is great. Why haven't I heard this? And then because these girls are in the tribe of Manasseh, the men of Manasseh are like, wait a minute. If they marry somebody outside of our tribe, then some of the land meant for Manasseh is going to go to some of the other tribes of Israel. So the girls are dragged back before Moses. And Moses goes to God and says, what are we going to do when these women marry? And God says they can marry whoever they want, but they have to marry someone from their father's tribal clan. So the land that is apportioned to Manasseh stays with Manasseh. So these girls just have so much scripture in the Bible devoted to them, yet nobody knows them. And then later on, after Moses has passed away and Joshua is now leading the tribes of Israel, 
they go to Joshua when the land is conquered and they say, Joshua, remember, Moses gave us our father's land. So these girls were historic. They were brave and nobody knew their names. And so I said, I have got to write this story. And Lioness is the story of their big ask for land, who they're going to marry. And it covers the Israelites crossing the Jordan when God parts the Jordan River and they go into the land of Canaan. And I did write two more books if you want to follow them through the book of Joshua. But Lioness basically tells why they're famous. And it comes from the majority of the book of Numbers and a little bit in the beginning of the book of Joshua. And so I just felt I had to write about these brave girls that nobody knew about. How did you first discover them? You know, I, I was reading through the Bible and you would have thought I would have discovered them then. Right. I was at a Bible study and someone brought up the daughters of Zelophehad. And I was like, wait a minute, I just read through the Bible and I don't remember that story. So I don't know if I slept through reading it because Numbers has a lot of lists or if I missed that section. Um, so I went back and I looked them up. And then the next week at Bible study, I said, would you mind if I wrote about the daughters of Zelophehad? And Brenda, my friend goes, well, it's not my story. Go ahead, write about them. So I did. And that's how Lioness came to be. That is fascinating. I've never heard of them. Or oh. Zelophehad. So is the plot totally made up or does it pick up on an actual story from the Bible? It actually picks up from a story from the Bible. And of course, I bring the girls' personalities to life. Uh, we're not really sure how old they were, but they weren't married. So I make them 17, 16, 15, 12, and 10. Okay. Um, and they can be found if you want to go look them up in the book of Numbers. They're mentioned first in Numbers 26, chapter 26, verse 33, in a list of names. And then their big ask for land is in Numbers 27, verses 1 through 11. And then who they can marry is in Numbers chapter 36, verses 1 through 12. So you can see there's whole swaths of scripture on these girls. And they're just invisible to most people. That's fascinating. Tell us about the romance subplot in this novel, the character Ruben. What kind of a role does he play in it? I did some research. Yes, all my books have a romantic thread. And this one is pretty light. Um, Ruben's uh, wife has died, yet he and Mala are have known each other since they were kids and they've grown up in tents that were right next to one another. Okay. And Mala has always um, carried a torch for Ruben. Um, but now he starts to see Mala in a different light when she takes on the leadership role for her sisters once her father and mm -hmm. mother have passed away. Okay. And, and it grows. He has to kind of realize, hey, this woman is, you know, brave and strong and courageous and this is the type of girl you need so that's it develops slowly throughout the book and then um at the end he wakes up and uh, comes a calling okay. we shall say so who was this zelophehad zelophehad you know he had five girls 
no sons. We don't know how he died. In the book of Numbers, a lot of people uh, died in the desert. Some of them grumbled against God. Some of them were swallowed up by the ground. Others died um, when a when a plague came and snakes, poisonous snakes came into the camp because they had grumbled against God. So I said, well, you know, you got to open a novel with a bang. So I have Zalopahad um, being bitten by one of the poisonous snakes. And that's how he dies. And the mother has died previously. We don't know how she died. A lot of women mm -hmm. died in childbirth mm -hmm. or were weakened by childbirth. And then they succumbed to wandering in a desert, which was uh, very challenging. Yeah. So what kind of a role does Moses play in this? Moses is the big gun, right? Yeah, Moses <laughs> is leading the tribes of Israel, the Israelite people at this time. And I give him credit for listening to the girls. And, you know, I kind of wonder about that. I'm like, why did he take their side? You know, why did he fight for them? And I think it might go back to when he spoke with God, God says, I am the father of the widow. I am the father of the orphan. I am the father of the alien. So God stood up for those. Uh, he stands up for everybody, but he really has, you know, a heart for those that are widowed or orphaned. And so you have five orphans here. So I'm wondering if Moses was thinking back on some of his conversations with God and the scripture we have about, you know, treating orphans and widows properly, that he didn't say, you know, I better go to God with this, because if I don't treat these five orphaned girls properly, I might be in hot water with God. So that's what I think was going through his mind is these, these scripture that we have that God told him that he had to watch over the orphans. And here you have five unmarried girls who are coming to him and he kind of becomes their advocate, their father figure for a while in front of God. So was Myla a rebel? Would you consider her a rebel against those times in the Bible? I would say she People looked at her like a rebel and it in throughout the book when all this is happening, the you know, she says, What's one more family scandal? Right? Because her father dies and then she goes and asks for land, and then there's this whole bit about who they can marry. And I kind of asked, why did that come up? Did some men from some of the other tribes come a calling and the men of Manasseh say, wait a minute, we can't have this? And so uh, they always joke about another family scandal with these five girls. So she was a, a lot um, of a rebel. And her sisters, I have, all the sisters have a, a, a personality. And Mala is very strong. She has to be being the oldest. But the second sister, Noah, is the shepherdess. And I have her being very bold, uh, but they all have their unique personalities in the kind of family order uh, of sisterhood. So is there a piece of you in any of these characters or mainly in the protagonist? I think all of them have a little bit of peace. I, I do sympathize and empathize with Mala and taking care of her sisters. And uh, I'm a mom, I raised uh, children. And so 
her sisters basically are becoming like her children. You know, she's the caretaker, the overseer, and um, she has a lot of empathy for her sisters. And so I think in a way, you know, I, I would want to take care of my sisters. And so, you know, I put a lot of, uh, she has a big heart. And I would like to think that if I was in that position, um, I would be as brave, courageous, and have as much of a big heart as Mala does. So this story is very inspirational as well. I hope so. I always give my books a theme. Uh -huh. And this one is go forth with God. That's kind of the theme of the daughters of Zalofahad and that they're in this desert. They know they're going to cross over into Canaan and that there's going to be a lot of battles. Uh, there's things that are happening while the Israelites are traveling toward the Jordan, the snakes coming into the camp. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a villain in this book, which I'll set up when I do my reading and he pulls people astray. And so then a, a fever plague comes on the people. The men are going off to battle uh, the enemy so that they can march through the land. And there's so much going on. And yet here's Mala having to deal with all that and take care of a family on her own without the wisdom of parents. And obviously the men of the tribe are not very happy with her when she goes and asks for land because then they don't get it. So uh, a lot of them aren't happy and they feel like she has stolen some land from them. Yeah. Did you have to deviate a lot from the original story? And if so, in what sense? In what tangent? Because it was a lot of scripture on these girls, I did not have to deviate a lot from just following okay. the book of Numbers into the book of Joshua. So that was great. Okay. It was the most difficult thing was I looked at this story and there's five sisters mm -hmm. and usually they tell you in publishing don't have characters that begin with the same letter it can be confusing to the reader don't have people with similar sounding names it can be confusing to the reader and I looked and I said there's five girls so all of them have to take part in the story okay. and their names are Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milka and Terza. And I looked at that and I thought, oh boy, they all end in a, you got two of them with M as the starting letter. And I thought, how on earth am I going to keep the reader from just pulling their hair out? Yeah. And so I worked really hard to give each of the characters their own personality. They have kind of their own, uh, the older daughters have like their own talent you know, Mal is very brave. She carries a knife. Um, Noah is the shepherdess. She carries a whip. She's really good with animals. Hogla kind of takes over the mothering role around the tent. So she's the one that knows how to cook. She knows okay. what's going on at the tent. And then you have these two younger sisters, Milka and Terza. And of course, Terza being the baby of the family is always asking questions and complaining and maybe moaning a bit. And then you have Milka, the second to youngest, who's the one who's very ethereal, who's always thinking and has a very good grasp of people's personality and um, able to read a person very mm -hmm. well. 
And so I tried to craft all those sisters with a unique personality. They each have a talent or um, uh, something they like to do that sets them off from one another. And I hope uh, that uh, people understand that and, and keep them separate as I've crafted them to be separate individuals. How long did it take you to write this novel, Lioness? I like to have nine months to a year to write a novel, especially Mm -hmm. if I have to research it along the way. This one, I didn't have to do as much research, but I did have to do some research on the tribe of Manassas splits. Some stay east, some cross the Jordan River and travel um, with the Israelite people. So I had to find out did the daughters of Zalopahad cross over the river or not? So that okay. there was some research I had to do there. Yeah. Um, but it follows, you know, uh, this the scripture right on through. But um, it took me about nine months to get this one finished. Yeah. What were some of the challenges in writing this novel, Lioness? A lot of it was trying to keep the girls as individuals. Okay. So people mm-hmm. didn't get confused. Um, I'm going to be reading in a little while about the villain, uh, Balaam's son of Beor. And if you read the book of Numbers, you may not think Balaam is so bad. People remember him in stories about a talking donkey. But when I looked at scripture from the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's a lot of scripture all the way to the book of Revelation that tells how bad Balaam was. And he's bad because of his behavior here in numbers where the daughters of Zelophehad would have lived through it. So it's, it's interesting. I mean, even in revelation, they're saying how bad Balaam was. So that was one thing that I had to pull in was here is this guy. Why is he so bad? And it's because of his behavior um, in this time frame of the daughters of Zelophehad. So I tried to wrap him into the book. Also Moses, you know, Moses basically says goodbye to the people of Israel. So there's, um, a scene at the end where he basically, he and Mala interact. And um, it's kind of a sad scene, but he's not going to be carrying on with the people of Israel. And yet Mala is. And so he kind of gives her um, a, a pep talk. And there's just so much going on. Joshua is assuming the leadership. Uh, and people tend to forget that there's this huge miracle in the in the book of Numbers going into Joshua, where God parts the the Jordan River and it's at flood stage. A lot of people think of God parting the Red Sea so the people of Israel can get out of Egypt. But mm-hmm. here again, we have a miracle of God where God parts this Jordan River at flood stage for miles. So all these people could walk through and, they, and it, we're told that the ground was dry. So they walked through on, on dry ground. What do you feel you did right? I think what I did right is I actually brought this story um, to biblical fiction so that people could read it and get an understanding of this fantastic story about brave girls. And a lot of people tell me, I had no idea this story was in the Bible. And I said, well, I didn't either until it was brought up at Bible study. So I think I did right by taking this story, even though it was challenging with five basically main characters, but making it so that whoever reads it can understand it 
and can get a lot of scripture in one book. And my background is teaching kindergarten through fifth grade Bible stories. Okay. So I like to, when I write Bible stories, I don't want to confuse anybody. I want it to be easy to understand. Mm -hmm. I want you to like my characters that are really biblical characters. And I want to explain it like I was teaching those fourth and fifth graders so that people have an understanding of the Bible and a love for God's word. And they're like, wow, I didn't realize the Bible could be so exciting. And it is, especially I write about Old Testament stories. And there's so many in there, the Old Testament, that I didn't know were in the Bible. So I like to bring those out, especially if it's little known Bible characters, especially if they're women, and write about them so that people get a better understanding of the Bible and uh, just remember these wonderful Bible stories. Absolutely. What would you have done differently? Wow. Wow. Uh, maybe put a little bit more romance in it. You brought it okay. earlier. I know a few readers are like, wow, I really would have liked more oh, yes. you know, their history, their backstory, a little bit more romance. And um, so that's a fine balance in biblical fiction. How much romance you put in, how much you leave out. And, and in Christian fiction, that's a conversation that will be ongoing about how much romance you put in a Christian fiction book, because we're under a set of parameters that are different than if you write for the general market. And so that's always a balance. Um, but hopefully, you know, people got enough of the romance. So maybe if I had gone back, I would have put a, a little bit more backstory on those two in the book. Um, you never know. Some people will be like, this is a Bible Harlequin, uh, as someone said about one of my books. Or some people are like, I want more romance. So you never know what the reader is really looking for. So I try and find that balance. I read some of the reviews and some were asking for more of that romance line with Reuben, right. who was his first wife and stuff like that. So I can imagine that it must be hard to balance that. Yes, it, it, it is, especially the romance part. And because I felt like more of this was Mala's story and, and the story of the daughters of Zelophehad. Mm -hmm. As the series goes on, you get more of the romance between some of the characters in this book because I marry off all the girls by book okay. and so some of the guys in this book you can kind of see some of the uh, romance starting with Noah and then um, in book three because I wasn't planning on writing a series I'm like oh my gosh all these um, men that I have left are kind of not very heroic so I had to take one of those men and make him swoon worthy and show that he could change which was a little bit harder for myself because I had written myself into a corner if I had planned out the series before I started writing I would have mm -hmm. had another you know really nice guy hanging around but um yeah but you know uh it, it worked you know in claiming Canaan it worked there's that is more written like a romance because the romance develops from beginning to end so what have you learned about yourself from writing this book, Lioness? Oh, to be stronger, more courageous. I think of these girls and how they didn't have a support system. And yet today in the 21st century as women, we do have a support system. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we are uh, being educated. We have, we can get top positions. We have a voice. Um, so... I feel like 
I have learned to be more courageous by writing about these girls and um, they just give me joy and, and just their faith in God, their trust in God is so refreshing. Um, yeah, they're inspirational. They're just an inspirational group of women. What are the major takeaways from Lioness? No matter how hard life gets, and these girls were faced with some of the major hardship. They've lost their parents. Uh, they're basically either got to marry somebody or be in servanthood to have a to get support, mm -hmm. right? Because they have right. no men to support them, and uh, they're facing uh, just plagues that come into the camp, the the threat of this idol worship that's all around them. They're going into a land they have to conquer by war. And there's so much going on. And they face it every day with their family, the love of family, the strength and encouragement we get from family. But also, they just rely on God and their faith and prayer. They're praying to God, they're seeking God. And they're doing their best every day. And that's uh, what I hope people will see that you can go forth with God every day and he will give you the strength and the encouragement to get through the very difficult times in your life. What is the most interesting thing that has ever happened to you during an in-person author event? Something that you will never, ever forget. I enjoy in-person author events because I get to meet so many different people. Um, at one of the events I went to in South Dakota, what was very meaningful to me was one of the uh, young ladies who reads my advanced copies and helps me on my launch, drove four hours to come and see me at the events. So um, that was just a big, um, you know, meaningful event in in my life as an author and uh just if someone writes my publisher and says hey i read this book and i it really encouraged me uh and in a difficult time and i love that i love that if someone is encouraged by my books learns something about the bible from my books and grows closer to god from reading my books and then i hope all the people that read my biblical fiction will go and find that story in scripture. I, I tend to put an author note in the back. I learned that after my third book to put an author note in the back and tell people where the scripture was in the Bible and why I did uh, what I did in the book according to scripture and where they can find other things in the Bible. So I learned to do that. That was one of the learning things I had as an author. But um, I always have that author note and I hope people go to the scripture and read it in the context of the Bible. And hopefully my fiction will cement that story in their head. Absolutely. Would you like to read to us, Barbara? Sure. I am going to read a part. Um, the daughters of Zelophehad are traveling with the Israelites through the desert and the girls have their herd of animals. Mm hmm. They um, have, when I refer to mother here, their mother is gone, but this okay. is a mother goat and the goat has babies. And all of a sudden as they're traveling and they're trying to keep track of their herd, 
the mother goat goes missing and Mala and Milka go in search of the goat and they meet for the first time, the villain, Balaam, son of Beor. So here we go. This is page 37 from Lioness. Mala stood and rubbed a hand across her forehead. She stuffed sweat-drenched strands of hair under her head covering. Could the mother have made it to the rocks? She was nowhere in sight. Securing the water skin to her hip, she turned to Milka. Race you to the plateau. Told you. Milka raised her eyebrows and ran like a gazelle. Mala followed her sister. At an all-out sprint, she dodged a few shepherds and headed toward the rocks. For the briefest of moments, with her feet pounding the greedy ground and her veil fluttering in the breeze, Mala let the angst of the day gust away. Milka's spindly legs were no match for Mala's thick thighs, strengthened from assisting their father with the tents and water skins. Passing her sister, she dashed into the thin slice of shade cast by the plateau. She rounded a corner of jagged rock and halted. Her toes dug into the dirt and she pitched forward. The water skin slipped to her ankles. Her goat lay on its side, legs bound. A soft bleat rasped from its mouth. A stranger, draped in a long, embellished cloak, stood beside the panicked mother. The man's eyes widened at Mala's arrival. Milka slid a few feet in the loose dirt. She remained as still as a carved sculpture while her gaze shifted from Mala to the man and then back again. Not a single word escaped from her pressed thin lips. Mala's heart beat a rat-a-tat-tat faster than a joyous tambourine. She bawled her fists at this affront to the goat, to her family, to her leadership. Hands on her hips, she shouted, let her go. That's my mother. And that's their first meeting of Balaam, son of Beor, when he's taken their mother goat. Thank you for that. And if you would like to announce the details of your book giveaway. Yes, um, I will be happy to give away a copy of Lioness. And if you've read that, you can pick from my other books. Um, the first one to email me and put in the subject heading, podcast book giveaway. And you can email me at barbbritton, B-R-I-T-T-O-N, at AOL.com. So it's B-A-R-B-B-R-I-T-T-O-N at AOL.com. And just put in the subject line, podcast book giveaway. And the first one to do that, I will answer and you will be the winner. And I can answer the other ones too, depending on how many I get. But the first one will receive a copy of Lioness Mala's Journey. Okay. Parting shots. You first. You are my guest. I just want to thank you for having me on today where I can share this wonderful, encouraging story uh, from the Bible. And it was a pleasure to be with you at Once Upon a Book and to do this interview. And um, I just appreciate the time today. Yeah, this is a fascinating story and I appreciate your book and your dedication to me. I just love that. Oh, you're Thank welcome. You so much I'm that. so glad. 
Okay, my parting shot, read indie, buy indie, and write indie. Support your local authors, newspapers, and small presses. Keep your fingers on the keyboard and your butt in the chair. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.